This is the Andrew Lake Podcast. If you are a regular listener of the Andrew Lake Podcast, please share your favourite episode, as this will help me find my audience. What you are about to hear is part of a series. Listen to the introduction episode for a full explanation and important context. The cause of anger is betrayal. And there is no betrayal without trust. And I look at myself sometimes and I wonder, in those darker hours, is this the face of a nihilist? Is this the face of someone who's lost all hope? When I feel there's really not much more I can do. It seems pointless to try and demonstrate how brilliant I am. And I don't think I'm convincing anyone, not even myself. And I also think there's no point in convincing how hurt I am and how much pain there is. I wonder why we are tortured so much by the life we haven't lived. Why are we given the ability to dream, to hope, to long for things? And I do wonder why... We're so blind to the life we have lived. Why is it so hard to see the life we've got? Why is it so hard for you to see the life you've got? And should that be enough? And is it unfair for anyone to say that should be enough? Be grateful for what you've got. And hopelessness is found at the point of no return. It really is the one thing that kills all things. And it's astonishing that it exists at all. It doesn't make sense that that should be able to occur within someone. It doesn't make sense out of all the variables all the complexes, all the chances, all the chaos, that that could be something that does exist. And I'm also reminded of how easy it is to get lost in thought and to not see what's happening right in front of your very eyes. To not look out of the eyes seems to be an occurrence that happens all too often. And it might be that when we're lost in thought, we're actually finding something. And that's why it doesn't feel like being lost. It's not exactly right to say that we get lost in thought. 
And yet it's also not exactly right to say that we are found in thought. And I have to eat my own words. I have to take a taste of my own medicine. Because things have changed again. And in so many ways, it's just a small piece of information that has changed things. And yet it's definitely emotional. It's definitely on an emotional level. And it's tied in with the things that I plan to do, things that I wanted to do. And how do you square having hope with not being tied up in the future? Is hope only something that we give ourselves or create for ourselves as an antidote to hopelessness? That we cling to hope just because of how bitter the alternative is. And it does occur to me again that the personal and the immediate are inseparable. And there are things that do just come into play, no matter how hard one tries to keep them out of play. No matter how much we might tell ourselves it's irrelevant or it's not significant or it shouldn't be an issue. These things are issues. These things are problems. And I do still wonder if there's a way to talk your way out of things. Or is it only possible to talk your way into things? And there must be a qualitative difference between hope and desire. They must have different functionings within us. And they must have different relationships to how we feel about the future. How we feel about where we are. How we feel about what we think is possible. And what we think we want. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. And I don't really know what you're saying or why you're saying those things. And it sounds to me sometimes like you're explaining yourself. And the explanation is of an explanation. And other times it seems like everything is like that. Everything is in and of itself. Why does a story have the parts of the story to it that it does? And yet, in some ways, it's so incomplete. In some ways, it's so ungrounded as to why it should be the way that it is. Because it could be any other way. And I wonder if all things could be any other way. I wonder if 
That's the exact issue of hopelessness and desire and thinking and feeling about the future. Could things really be another way? Could things be different to how they are? And the answer is, if you say no, well, that's hopelessness. And if you answer yes, then you have to say, well, what next? What's it going to take? Is it worth it? I don't know why it's easy to see things in others and yet so hard to see it in yourself. Because if it was someone else sitting in front of me, I really would want the best for them. And I don't think I've ever really been able to explain their own problems to them. I've never really been able to help them. But I have been able to see, I have been able to realise what it is they are going through and why they are so hung up about whatever it is they're hung up about. And I've had a tremendous hope that they could pull themselves out of it. I've wished very much that they could see straight through their own problems and to have them just poof away like a cloud of smoke. And I've told myself in the past that my own problems are of the same nature. They're of the same calibre. And I've believed that. I really have. And in so many ways it's true. And yet that doesn't help too much with resolving them. And so much of what is celebrated and exalted is a person that has no problems. That's all we want to see. That's all we want to know about. The people we idolise are the ones that have solved all their problems. And some. There must be some other option. There must be something more real. And I can't hide my humanness. I don't want to hide my humanness. And for me to, to, to live to that, I have to say that, well, I do have problems. And this, case, this goes against the rules. This goes against all the rules in so many ways. Because problems are meant to be kept in secret. They're meant to be kept in hiding. They're meant to be kept out of view. And yet those are the very things that we make way with. Those are the very things we need to bring up. And I am asking myself, what's the difference between teacher and student? What is the difference between patient and therapist? And I do wonder if I sometimes should be on the other side of this mirror, which I am. And another way of thinking of this is that we're talking to ourselves and we could wonder, who'd like to join us? Who'd like to listen in on this conversation? 
and I would guess that it was someone who could understand the sentiment. Someone who's heard similar things before, or wanted them to be said. I don't think there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with where we begin. But it does matter that things change. That we so that we show some sort of morphing or transformation occurring, and that we do end in a different place as to where we started. And that is also to say that an ending is never really an ending. So what can we do to change right now? What can we do to change what's here, what's going on? Is it simply a matter of looking at it? Is it simply a matter of verbalizing it? And there's something very dangerous in a question, in any question. And the danger is possibility. Because when you don't ask a question, there is no possibility. It's simply completely outside the realm of possibilities. And the danger of possibility that is in a question is that the answer could be correct. And of course the other side is that the answer could be wrong. And we'd have some debates between us as to decide which answer is more dangerous, the one that's right or the one that's wrong. And if we consider a question like, why is there hopelessness? Then we can see a tremendous danger in that. There's so much implied in even asking the question. Even asking a question that doesn't have an answer has a danger to it because it leads to something. It leads things on. It stirs things up. It allows for an opening. It puts back the sense of risk in all that's happening. There is a little bit of a thrill in asking questions. You can grow a sense of danger that is like an acquired taste for a fine wine and there's no way that I can deny darkness. There's no way that I can deny hopelessness. There's no way that I can deny pain. And I still feel that whatever I say, the opposite is always true. Whatever I assume, I should feel at least open, if not okay with, to the possibility that the opposite is true and that maybe the opposite is actually the case. And I don't know where things come from.
I don't know how things work. I don't know why all this is happening. And I don't know why I feel such a sense of hopelessness sometimes. There is something in only having one way out. There is something in having only one way forward. To have an only hope. The last hope. To be completely out of options. To have no choice left. Well, there's something very powerful in that, isn't there? To know that things couldn't be any other way shows a kind of acceptance. It shows a kind of surrender. And that may, in its own way, lead to a kind of relief from the sense of hopelessness. Because in true hopelessness, when you really see that there's no way out and you are totally out of options and there is no way forward, even in that, you don't have an option but to move forward. You don't have an option to find your way out. And that, in its own way, means that you don't have an option to not find your own way out. And who do you expect to help you? Who do you want to help you? Is there someone in your life you want help from? Can you think of a time in your life when you've accepted help? And this has everything to do with hopelessness. Because Hopelessness is really a kind of self-helplessness. And helplessness is not quite the same as hopelessness. And it might be that no one can help you but yourself. And it might be that you yourself can't help yourself. So ask yourself... Is help possible? Is it possible for things to make themselves better for you? Is it possible for things to have a way of working things out for you? And I know how silly this sounds. Oh... Poor little Doster, he's just hung up about a girl. So that's what's happening, that's what's going on, that's why I'm talking in such a sombre tone of voice right now. And I am angry at myself. I do feel desperate. And the thing about being desperate is, it's pathetic. No one wants to hear about that. No one wants to know about that. And it's so personal, it's just a turn-off. It's like, so what? You've got issues, so does everyone else. 
And I guess this is why I've retreated to the imagination so much. I guess this is why I've retreated into memory so many times. It's because I have had such beautiful experiences. And I know I keep saying that. I keep saying that over and over again. But I have. And it is the same as that old cliche of a saying is, is it better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? And I don't know. That must be the ultimate dichotomy. That must be the one, the one thing that I wish we could all resolve. That I have definitely loved. That I have definitely lost. And I know what heartbreak feels like. I know what hurt feels like emotionally. And I do wish so sincerely that there was a way to transform that. I wish there was a way to demonstrate. It's like, how do we use this for good? How can we make this into something that others can use to get their way out of it? Which is exactly what I'm doing right now. Which is exactly the work we're doing here. There must be things that we can create. There must be processes. There must be people that are willing to demonstrate. There must be people that are willing to help. And I ask myself, if I could be someone's help to someone else, if I could be of help to someone else, would I do that? If only someone could come in and just bail you out. If someone could be the hero, blast down the door and say, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And maybe part of it is just understanding each other. It's just sharing in the pain. Maybe part of it is just a matter of going into it. Maybe that's all it takes. Maybe it's not systems. Maybe it's not techniques. Maybe it's not a how-to guide. And I'm sure there are many how-to-heal-a-broken-heart guides. I'm sure there's plenty of advice. But I don't know if it's advice that's needed. And I don't know if it's of any value of anyone to be someone who can demonstrate how to get out of certain things. And there are many people that I've known and admired who have been nihilists. The brutal fact of the matter is not everyone does make it. Not everyone does find their way home. And if only more people could, and what a miracle it is that people do, 
what a miracle it is that it happens. And what a tragedy it is that people forget. What a tragedy it is that people don't know. So let me tell you that I do want to help. I don't know how I can help. I don't know if I can help at all. I do want to understand. I do want to find a way out of this. I want to find the solution to the problems, all of them, as impossible as they seem. And I do hope that even just by talking about these things, we're making some way. Even just by verbalizing certain things, going into certain spaces, going into uncharted territory, that there's value there. And there's bound to be moments of hopelessness. There's bound to be moments of pain. But it appears that now the right thing to say would be Something that could help in those times. Something simple. And it's always simple. In many ways. It's always a fragment of something bigger. And for hopelessness, we might need the most simple thing. We might need the most powerful thing. We might need to remember the one thing that can get us through anything. And that is to hold on to hope. 